everyone and welcome to Jumpstart Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Laws, career coach and founder of Purple Transitions Personal Growth. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Maureen Fearon. Maureen is a seasoned emotional and behavioural specialist. She's also a coach and trainer. Maureen has worked professionally in many environments from corporate, education, the prison service. She's also designed programmes for organisations and individuals. Maureen's programmes range from workplace well-being, motivation, subliminal influencing, leadership skills, neuro-linguistic programming, emotional intelligence and emotional freedom technique. Now, I'm really excited about today's interview. Maureen is the coach who inspired me on my journey to become a career coach. Now, we're going to go to a quick promotion before we have the interview with Maureen. Imagine having your very own career coach to help you prepare for your job interview and land multiple job offers. I have created the Success Interview Workbook. The workbook is based on my 15 years experience as a hiring manager. The 34 page workbook includes techniques on how to answer competency based interview questions, behavioural questions, example questions and answers, checklist, action plan. The workbook is for anyone who's struggling with answering competency interview questions or behavioural interview questions, anyone who's lost confidence after several unsuccessful interviews, take control of your job interview. Go to purpletransitionspersonalgrowth.co.uk Hi Maureen, welcome to the show today. I'm really excited to have you on. Um... I have to say that Maureen has been a big inspiration in my life. Maureen is the coach who I went to in 2016 and she she really inspired me to become a coach, really did. Welcome, Maureen. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you, Sandra. Tell the listeners about your career journey. How did you start off in your career? My first job was as a gym and aerobic instructor. Um which is really quite random considering what I do now. And it was because as a little girl, I was an Irish dancer and it developed from there. I had bad careers advice. Uh, The careers advice advisor, lovely lady, but rubbish advice said, what do you like doing? Well, first of all, she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, what do your mom and dad do? I said, well, I don't want to do what they do. So she said, well, what do you like doing? And I said, well, I, I love dancing. So I, I used to love Irish dancing. And if you if you can remember what Irish dancing looks like, your arms are glued by your side, your body is as stiff as a poker, and your little feet go like bilio. So you don't use your upper body. And so she said, oh, I know just the course for you. And I got sent to do my A-levels on a theatre studies, drama and dance and psychology course. And it was totally the wrong thing for me, but it is what it is. And then from there, because of the the dance experience at college, I became a gym instructor. I just needed and wanted a job and I loved dancing and keeping fit, etc. And it it was just an availability. 
I had my looking for jobs was not about making strategic decisions. It was just about getting a job. I needed to earn money because that was the belief systems in and around my, my upbringing. So that's where I started. And um, whilst that was, I enjoyed it, it was very low pay. But what I didn't realise, and it's only in kind of since I came to do what I'm doing now, that I realised that I was naturally coaching people. Um, and I was, I now understand I'm, I'm a natural coach because it's just what I'm meant to do. And um, I was coaching people in terms of not the, not just the health the fitness, their exercise, but also on them feeling good about themselves and having confidence about themselves. I used to be able to spot the ones that were um, had self-doubt, didn't like themselves, thought they were ugly. And I just had a, I just used to turn it around. And I'll always remember um, there was one lady and she was just too big to join the club because of health reasons, she would have had to have had doctor's note. And her sister brought her in. And and she was just so down about herself. And I was saying, it's so simple, just coaching toward, as we know, coaching towards the goal. What do you want to achieve? And all that's stopping you is all this fuel on your body. So never mind think about it as bad. It's fuel and you can burn it up and we can get you and you're gorgeous and blah, blah, blah. And this is what you need to do and we'll look after you and you'll and without me realizing it I was coaching and it was some months later I bumped into her sister in pizza pizza land of all places and she actually thanked me for the the girl didn't join the club but she said thank you so much for what you did for my sister she walked out of there feeling good about herself she said and I cannot tell you how valuable that was to her. So that was just me doing what common sense me used to do. It's like, oh, it just made sense to me. It's no big deal. Had no idea that what I was actually using was coaching strategy. So from the gym, then I went into a wide variety of um, of jobs that, again, it was just about earning money. So selling advertising space for exchange and mart. Uh, which I, I hated because I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a natural salesperson and I really don't like doing it. Um, and then working through um, into recruitment. And I learned an awful lot in recruitment about people. And again, without me knowing it, I was coaching people. I was coaching people to feel good about themselves as well as what to say and what not to say in interviews and how to present themselves. Um, and I became a manager. Guess how I became a manager or why I became a manager? Because I couldn't say no. Um, they asked me, we want you to be a manager. Was it because I had any talent? No. Was it because I was a natural manager? No. The reason they asked me is because I was the only person they trusted with the keys to the office. I didn't want to become a manager, but I had this program inside of me that if somebody asked me for something, I had to say yes. And a lot of people have that. I had real difficulties saying no, because inside it felt like it was being disrespectful. So I became a manager because I couldn't say no. And I was so scared because I didn't know what to do. I got no training. 
And the people that, are, that were my friends, my work friends, overnight became my work enemies. They hated, rather than help me, they hated me. <laughs> they were and like, oh, what do you do? But over many years, I learned how to get the best out of people. And just with the simple goal strategy <clears throat> that good coaches use, and I know you're familiar with it, is what is it I'm trying to achieve and how do I achieve it? So in the work setting, what is it I want and need them to be doing and how do I get them to be doing it? Without me knowing it, I was thinking from their shoes, what do they need and how do I facilitate that? And so I was a, a manager for many, many years and I, I did become good at it. I became, I'm not a natural manager, but I became a nurtured manager. I became good at it because you can learn how to be, become a good manager. Um, and then I worked for a company, I moved companies, and it was a bad choice. And they were a bunch of bullies. And I decided, I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to go self-employed. And I'm going to work with single people. I um, split in my marriage and had a couple of years in the wilderness. Then I started going dating and I didn't think I was fussy. And then going on dates going, oh my gosh. And I learned a lot. And so I decided I wanted to help single people because there were a lot of good single people that didn't know how to date. They had a downer on themselves. They were overly nervous and they were doing so many things wrong. And the dates that I used to have, without me realizing it at the time, because they were nice people and they weren't right for me, but I ended up coaching them and then dumping them. <laughs> and so I decided I wanted to help single people. And that's what I did. I gave up um, the job that I had at the time as a building services manager that was beautifully paid and became a self-employed coach. And I, I, it, that was the best decision I've ever made in terms of my career, it was the absolute right thing to do. So from there, I began learning. I learned about how to be a coach. I learned about myself. I've, over the years, have changed lots of, let's call it my programming. I didn't know I had issues. I wasn't aware of them because I, they were there. I understood the discomfort, but I would never connected to them in a way that let me know that they were issues and then that I could do something about them. So I've done so much learning and so much personal change. It's, it's, it, it's wonderful. I'm just so grateful. And now I have so many hats from a workplace trainer. Um, I've got a portfolio of training courses for um, working with the public as well as working with organisations. I've worked in education. I've worked in so many different areas, even in and around the prison service. Um, it's It's been wonderful. And I work one-to-one -one as well. So training groups, working one-to-one. -one. And the thing that I absolutely adore doing is standing on stage and giving a talk. I love it. Which is massive proof of what's possible as human beings because I never used to be able to talk to strangers never speak in front of a group speak in a meeting never mind speak on stage so that's that kind of like in a, a, a snapshot that that's been my journey when you said when you worked in the gym you said you could spot the um the ladies who had self-esteem what was it that they were 
giving off that made you so aware? Well, it was an instinct thing because I wasn't aware that I would. I, I, I was just on autopilot because I didn't think that much of me. Um, I, I was just little Mo, insignificant, not important, you know, just little invisible me, really. But you, but they, they ooze clues. People ooze clues. Right. And if you're not aware of it, you don't see it. And if you're aware of it, you spot it. It's like a bad smell. So it might be how they walk. So they might have been walking with their shoulders slightly curled forward. Right. What they do with their eyes when you're talking to them and what their eyes do and the movements and and the certain things that eyes do, which I had a natural understanding of it, but I wouldn't have ever been able to explain it until I came to learn about it. So my mind would just see a person pick up snapshots I was easy it was easy to spot the confidence one the confident ones the bullshit ones um the strong characters the miserable characters the really lovely souls that you know are, are so lacking in confidence and they should have so much more because they're so lovely the ones that they didn't think that they they were likable oh ama- amazing but I had no understanding that that's what I was doing Right. And uh, the company that you worked for, the last company where there was bullying, how did you manage working in a bullying environment? Over life, I've learned to be able to stand stand tall and not be bullied and deal with it. And I, I have this allergic reaction to bullying. Can't bear it. It's so wrong in my world. It's so wrong. And so they used to be bullying nice people that couldn't fight back putting upon them, forcing them to work beyond beyond what, what should be expected, treating them awfully, shouting at them, treating them, just speaking to them in ways that are just not right, just not decent at all, and and also standing up for their rights because, to me, people are precious and they deserve caring about. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I was observing it, and whilst I tried – it was so difficult um, to just help everybody. It was limited what I could do because it was only one of me. And how many people were there? I don't know. Maybe there was about 80 people in the company, something like that. And so so it was kind of like, oh. But, it, but again, interesting learning because there were some people that had they moved to a competitor, they'd have worked less hours, got more money, and were better looked after, valued more. But they were so beaten that they were too scared to even think about leaving. And maybe I'd say that a little bit of brainwashing had come in where they would not dare to be disloyal. So it was it was really, really quite shocking. And, you know, that's just understanding human behavior. But I, I, I really don't. I, I just believe that people should be treated fair. And part of my working now is empowering those that are bullied and giving them the simple resources to protect themselves without conflict, without having arguments. You know, you can you can do it in a nice way because not everybody should be keen and interested and liking to fight. Um, when was the moment that you decided that you wanted to work for yourself, you wanted to leave that organisation? I think it was probably going on a date with a guy going, oh, God, you're a great guy for someone else, but you're hopeless. You need training. You need teaching about 
how to about relationships, what you talk about on a date. So it was probably from a date that that springboarded me into um, what I do now. And I I just had this idea. I wanted to help single people, and so I. I picked up the phone and spoke to an organization called Spice that have all sorts of adventures and social um, events, um, go to the theaters, have dinners and do lots of, you know, wild adventures. I I was a member once. um, And so I kind of like was familiar with how they operated. I jumped out of airplanes and gone white water rafting with them. And so they did workshops. And so I asked them, could I put on a workshop for single people? And I was told no, and it's like oh, he said because we 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 don't want to recognise this is many years ago. We don't want to recognise that um, that you know we're, we're anything to do with a singles business because we're not. But what you can do is you could put on a relationships day and have a segment of it that covers dating. So I was like, right, okay, I'll do that, and that's where it started. And so I put together. Um, and I had the help because I've never done a workshop before. I'd never, I'd, I'd never done that. Um, and a, a friend of mine was very experienced, a very experienced HR director, fabulously charismatic man, and, and presenting and public speaking was just so easy for him. And so he mentored me, and I'll always remember. So I, I did all the, the work and then he kind of like polished it up. And then we were on the Friday before it was being um, delivered on the Sunday. We were having kind of a role play and he, um, a practice rehearsal. And he kindly said that he would co-present with me, which was which would take the pressure off. Like, Great. For a whole day. And so we began and he said, right, okay, you do the introduction. And, and it's like, okay. And he was like, oh, God, no, Maureen. He said, you're rubbish. He said, I can't believe, I can't believe that you're so bad. Right? We, we were really great friends. So, you know, it was I'm more than happy. It wasn't being, because I, I like to have feedback blunt. I like it, you know, not dressed up. I went, okay. He said, I said, I've never done it before. He said, wow, really? So he said, right, okay, this is what you do, and gave me some tips and whatever. And it's like, okay. Well, it, was, it was only a couple of hours that we had to practice a whole, whole day's worth. And then on the Sunday, I think we had something like maybe 18 people. And I was as nervous as you can be. Um, I had bricks in my stomach. My legs were wobbly. My mind was in chaos. And But once we got going, that was it. Once everybody was in the room, got going. And at, we had a coffee break. And at the coffee break, he came up to me and he said, I don't know what's happened to you, but you are not the same person that I saw on Friday. You look a natural. It's just wow. He said, I can't believe. I expected that my job was going to be much harder than this, but whatever it is that you've done, wow. And all it was, I just got involved and just it just naturally flowed. And so that's how that's how it all began. Talking about presentations and public speaking, what tools would you recommend for anyone who's really nervous and gets really anxious when delivering presentations? Oh, well, first of all, know that you can be comfortable. Know that you can be completely relaxed, calm, in control, 
forget nervousness and anxiety and you don't have to have any of that. You can just have butter, nice butterflies, excitement butterflies in your tummy. And so that, that I would suggest anybody that's public speaking, that's your goal. And it is so possible. It really is. Then there's a wide variety of things that you can do. One of the things is be aware of your own self-talk. A lot of people is like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my voice sounds really funny. Uh, they're all looking at me. And it can be a doom and gloom voice in the head. So simply have positive words going through your mind. I'm okay. I can do this. I'm enjoying it. Even if you don't believe it, have those thoughts going through your head because it will steer you in that direction. And if your mind goes into chaos, because often people's minds go racing and they go into what's called fight, flight, freeze and flop response, and the mind can just block up and access to memory disappears and they cannot access words they don't know where they are they don't know uh, everything just goes and then the emotions kick in and all they want to do is cry and so you want to be aware that if that's what happens for you you, a simple strategy you can just stare at a spot looking upwards keeping your eyes perfectly still and just taking a deep breath in breathing out through the mouth Keeping the eyes totally still and letting your mind and system reboot and telling yourself, I'm okay. This is okay. So so there's that um, for in the moment, but there's methods from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, from the world of emotional freedom techniques that can take away all the discomforts bit by bit because you weren't born with them. We learn them. We develop them. <laughs> and so we can unlearn them and not have them. We can choose how we want to feel. But it's a really beautiful message to give that people can be completely and totally relaxed, empowered. And even when I've worked with some clients, teaching them, because even if you get excited, your mind can go racing. And I know sometimes my mind does that. And so you can actually play with time, <laughs> which sounds really, what? But in your mind, you can actually play with time and become incredibly resourceful. It's wonderful. And you can, no matter how big your audience is, you connect. You can connect with all of your audience and deal with whatever happens. So aim for comfortable is my advice. And then seek out the methods that, that you're okay with, that, you know, we're human. Some we like, some we don't like. But there's loads that we can do. I agree. I know when I did my first presentation, it was nerve-wracking. And uh, from that experience, I started using creative visualization, just visualizing myself speaking to the audience with confidence, calm. So like you said, there are lots of techniques that we can use just to calm our nerves and focus. Absolutely. And often people, without them knowing it, they might be visualizing, great, but the wrong thing. So they might be visualizing how it could go wrong, how awful it might be, mm. how things have gone wrong in the past. No, you're quite right. Dream. Mm. Imagine yourself. It's going smooth and in, in, we've got a mind that is instructable. Instruct your mind that it's going to go great. And once you've done it once, allow yourself to know that that is real and you can do it again and again and again. Because an awful lot of my clients, it's like, because they start off, because a lot of people are really anxious speaking in front of groups or on the stage. And they don't really believe that they can be comfortable and empowered and resourceful in the moment until they are. 
and the feedback I get, I love it. It's like, oh my God, I I can't believe I was brilliant. Even if I do say so myself, I was brilliant. It went so well. Um, and wow. And it's like, yeah, so now you know that's what you can choose to do forever. It's brilliant. Okay, going to move on to your new book, The Destructive Demon Within. What was the inspiration behind writing this book? Yeah, so if you imagine... As a human being, we want to be our healthiest, most confident, wonderful self. So if you imagine there's a demon inside that stops you from doing it. So the book, Shoe, like Shoe, go away. Shoe, the destructive demon within. So that's what we're looking to do. Take away the patterns and programs that spoil us getting the most from life and feeling our best. And it originated, there's a, a stu- there's a lots of information in the book, but there's a core story and that just came to me when I was working with somebody one-to-one. And this was a, um, a lovely lady who was basically letting the world walk all over her. She had low self-esteem. She was uh, just allowing herself to just be taken advantage of. And so she was very fashionable. She was beautifully dressed. And so my mind connected to hmm, fashion. She had beautiful shoes on as well. And I just came up in the moment with a metaphor story. And just said, okay, imagine you're a 14-year-old girl and you get given a pair of Jimmy Choo shoes. You'd love them, wouldn't you? She said, oh, yes. And I said, you'd look after them. Oh, yes. And when you wear them, you'd be careful not to scoff them. Oh, yes. Would you let your friends borrow them? No, not at all. You'd look after them. You'd love them. Take care of them. Yes. Now, imagine you're still that 14-year-old girl and you get given a pair of shoes that are really quite ugly, that, you know, maybe would be great for an old auntie or um, no disrespect to the scouting movement, but, you know, the the shoes that our Kaylas might walk, walk in, which are great for them, for the purpose, but if you wore them to school, you'd get ridiculed. So you've got a pair of those and we call them the punishment shoes. So you've got a pair of punishment shoes. Would you like them? No. Would you love them? No. Would you scuff them? Yeah. Would you take care of them? No. Would you allow your friends to use them? Yeah. To spill things on them? Yeah. Laugh at them? Yeah. Might even join in and laugh at them myself. And so I likened, imagine that you are the Jimmy Choo Shoe. You'll look after yourself. You'll take care of yourself. You're able to stand up and you will not let people walk all over you or take advantage of you. But if you're the punishment shoe, then you'll allow life and people to walk all over you, maybe abuse you and just allow yourself to be flat down on that priority ladder of life. And so it was it was a metaphor that just helped so much for this lady. And I said, now, you know, this is all about loving yourself, either loving yourself in a safe and beautiful way. Or not loving yourself. And if you love yourself, you're going to be able to make the better choices for yourself, stand up for yourself, and so many other positive benefits. And so now that you know, it's your choice. And so that was it. And so after I told the whole story of that, and I asked a lot of questions as well in and around it, um, that then became the, the, the words that were used. Feedback. I'm being a chew. I've been a chew and I'm really enjoying it. 
Um, it's been a bit difficult at first because it's a big transition for a lot of people to go from not even realizing they don't love themselves to loving themselves. And so because of the success, I used it with other clients. When I was teaching workshops and training, I'd introduce it where appropriate to, to those. And so it got to that uh, I was sharing the, the secret of it to many, many people. And so I thought, right, okay, I need to put this in the book because there was somebody that was potentially going to pinch the idea of it. <laughs> and so I thought, no, I need to put that into a book. And then lots of other things came along naturally that people needed to kind of like learn. So it's full of lots of different chapters connected to um, personal development and basically life awareness. So, for example, there is a chapter on social media and the damage that happens as a result of social media. There's a, um, a chapter on be careful if you want to go into showbiz and kind of like explaining what can happen in showbiz if you don't love yourself. What might happen to you in the sports world if you don't love yourself? Because there is so much bullying going on in the world. And that the, we, we really, now more than ever, I think, we have to individually be able to stand up and protect ourselves in lots of different ways. So that's basically where it came from. And then there was little bits that I thought, okay, that won't be a book in itself, so I'll just add it on. So so that's that's where it's all come from, yeah, from working with the client originally. I think our self, um, the way we look at ourselves has a lot to do with our upbringing, and I think schools should provide more training for young people in this area. I think. Being aware of who you are and how you value yourself can determine the path that you take in life. So I really resonate with your book that you wrote. The thing is, it is that there's, there's, as a human being, we're far more complicated than that. So one, it has got to do with how we're brought up. But that doesn't mean to say that there's one way of bringing people up that works 100% of the, the time. And so you could have a fabulous upbringing you know, very cared for and, and beautifully nurtured, but you could still not be loving yourself. And so it's, it's very difficult to actually be able to say, right, that category of, of society will not love themselves and that category will because it doesn't work that way. Because of the nature of human programming, there can be one tiny little event, whether you're, whether you're living and existing in a lovely environment or a toxic environment or a challenged environment, um, it, it can be down to the interpretation of an event. So, so but you're, you're so right. We need now more than ever for schools and education systems to be aware of all of this, to be, to be learning coaching skills, to be able to help the, our students become their best selves. Um, I, I was um, last night on a Zoom call, on an American Zoom call, educational um, um, session on suicide in young people and children. And I'm interested because often what happens in America <laughs> comes over here. You know, it used to be what happens in America will be in the UK 10 years later. I think that time difference is actually shortened. So, so it concerns me. And I was really shocked and upset about how bad things are over um, in America and the the solutions that they're looking at are talking about it, creating awareness and medication. That isn't what our children, the children of the future need. So I'm, I'm seriously concerned about our young people 
we need to be get we need to be getting this education bit right and and it's how we teach it and what we teach it so yeah you're spot on we need to be doing more in the education system yeah i think young people have been through so much over the last 2 years with the pandemic lockdowns and so on and if there was a young person who wanted to get into nlp training become a coach what sort of advice would you give them get in touch with me quick <laughs> I'm teaching um, some young people. I love teaching young. I've taught teenagers NLP and how to be their own coach. And and teaching um, young people, it's very different than adults. So you have to make it really engaging, fun, and you really have to to find what motivates them. What is it that they want? Um, And so prepared a diploma for young children, and it's being rolled out at the moment for nine-year-olds. So it's like, mm, very, so it's, I have no idea. It's the first time that I'm working with nine-year-olds and it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. But um, we should be teaching our teachers and also letting our parents know about what this all is because whatever career choice that they choose, if they're their own coach in simple ways, they'll be able to make great choices a lot of people don't understand what NLP is a lot of people don't understand what coaching is you know people because they've not been taught properly you know it's not our culture to thoroughly explain to people and and have them have the learning and so we want to we want to we want to change that for the sake of the future of the the generations um but I would suggest go and find some learning on simple NLP coaching techniques and become your own coach and as soon as is possible as a parent because parents have such burdens on their shoulders and some are great coaches and some are not that's just how it is and if you're not a great coach that's fine get them connected to a coach because I know if I'd have had a coach if I'd have had a coach like you when I was in my teenage years earlier the earlier the better my my the direction of my life would have been so different the 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 emotional suffering the anxiety the lack of confidence it would it it would have been do you know Maureen you've got a choice would you like to change yes here's how you do it whoa what a gift that would have been that really would have been a gift that would have kept on giving and so as as a parent I would get your child to either go and learn how to coach them which is great how fulfilling is that or as soon as is possible connect them with a coach Uh, what's the one thing that you wish you would have known when you started your career the beginning of your career that you know now um that you can change and you you can become whatever you choose that all the uncomfortable feelings that you have the disabling thoughts that you have um the not believing that you can just reach out and make magic happen that I'd have loved to have learned that when I was a child but instead I was kind of taught okay this is who you are we're from a working class background and at best you'll get a job that earns money and if you're very lucky you'll buy a house and so that was that was that was it and just be grateful to have a job that pays you money but the real reality is the world is such an amazing place. You can choose what works for you. You know that phrase? If you find out what you enjoy and you work in what you enjoy, you never work a day in your life. And so that's what, you know, 
is out there and that's what's possible. I'd have loved to have had that. If listeners want to get in touch with you and connect with you, how can they um, contact you? They can they can just put on a, a search on the internet, Maureen Fearon. Um, I think my website is maureenfearon.co.uk. Um, and if you just put connection there, I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the usual. Um, if they put my name, I don't do too much on the social media. Um, or even on, on um, YouTube, there are some interesting videos out on YouTube. So, yeah, just put my name in the web search and, you know, you'll find me. Oh, it's been an amazing interview today, Maureen. There's just been so many gems about really taking care of yourself and being in charge of your destiny, being in charge of what you want to do. I really appreciate all the tips and guidance that you provided today. It's been a great interview and I really thank you for coming today. really do. You've been a big part of why I'm a coach today. You've, you know, really provided me with so much inspiration. Oh, thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. I, I just get, it just gives me such a, a buzz um, sharing knowledge with people. I was um, having a meeting last week with one of the children. There were children 10 years ago, um, a fabulous young man, and just having a catch up um, on what was going on. And he said, oh, he said, I didn't, he said, I didn't, I didn't expect, I didn't intend for this to be a coaching session. And and, and I thought, I'm, I'm just enjoying talking to you and giving it. I hadn't thought of it as a coaching session, but it just absolutely energizes me. And especially for young people. And if, if we can get young people understanding that, you know, for your careers are important, go and see a coach, you know, go and see somebody like Sandra and get coaching for your career advice and also for setting your goals and achieving goals it's the cleverest thing that they can do so I just love it I just feel so grateful to have found this path of life thank you so much Maureen and I'm going to put your uh, website and your contact information in the show notes thank you you're so welcome Your work is going to fill a large part of your life and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, don't settle. A quote by Steve Jobs, co-founder of Apple. My mission is to help you if you are at the crossroads in your career or you have an interview coming up, you can email me at sandra at purpletransitions.com personalgrowth.co.uk